Hello, everyone. Welcome to a new episode of One Vision. Joining us today is Kurt Kiruz. Thank you so much for joining us on the show. And as we mentioned before, it's been way too long since we all last talked to Matt. Um, Definitely. It, <laughs> but anyway, thank you so much for, for making time. Before we start and jump into the fun part, um, I wanted to see if you can share with us a little bit more about the bank and the industry it serves and the, and the vision, because there is something really, really specific and really interesting about what you guys do. Yeah, well, thanks. I'd be happy to. Um, so Tab Bank is is actually 22 years old. And the interesting thing about Tab Bank is, uh, you know, we come from a, a place where I, I don't know of any other, you know, we're not a challenger bank. We're not a traditional community bank. We've delivered our banking services um, over the Internet since the inception for 22 years. So we've never had a branch. Um, and originally, we, we we really the bank was formed to serve a particular constituency, and that was uh, truck drivers. And so the owners of the bank, uh, you know, have a long history in, in the travel center, truck stop world, as well as other technology companies and other things about transportation. And so the bank was was built to serve those customers. And the interesting thing about the bank that's in our DNA is how do you deliver, just imagine this 22 years ago, and a truck driver, say, lives in California and is, drops off a load in North Carolina and then has to go buy fuel. How do they conduct banking services in North Carolina? This is a consistent problem for truck drivers. They're, they're never where their bank uh, particularly might be. And then you have the other problem is, how do you get an 18-wheeler through the drive-through, even if you had a branch by you, right? So, um, you know, uh, it was a challenge. And the bank figured out how to how to do this by placing kiosks with fax machines in in travel centers, as well as using, you know, reloadable fuel cards and other mechanisms that were available at the time to allow a truck driver to, to drop off a load, take a bill of lading, take a picture of it or fax it to us, and then we would advance money so they could buy fuel to go pick the next load. Pretty simple problem solving, um, but it was a challenge. And from that DNA, the bank really you know, that's our, our roots is in the transportation industry, but really um, we've, we've taken that, you know, how do we serve uh, a blue collar industry that really struggles to get banking services that they need when they need them, where they need them? How do we solve that problem? And and that's, you know, fundamentally the DNA of what we specialize in is, is, is taking care of customers in unusual ways. Um, you know, now we kind of look at ourselves as um, how do we take technology and then enhance our ability to deliver customers. And we, we have a vision of being, you know, the best digital bank that's going to help a small business owner grow their business. And, you know, and that's, that's kind of where we've taken our, our lineage and kind of where we've pointed it. I, I'm trying to, you know, picture a drive-through for an 18-wheeler, and uh, I think I've talked about this a few times before. But, you know, I, I've have a couple um, truck companies, you know, in my family in the Midwest, and you know that that would be a challenge, you know, to to do a drive-through. I think with a big rig, yeah. you know, especially with a trailer, right? Um, so let's yeah. let's let's talk about that. You know, being the best digital bank for uh, a constituents like this, you know, your customers that are all over the place and physically. Uh, and then put that in perspective, 
year. So obviously we had the pandemic, we have had the shutdown, but things have still been delivered. Trucks have been still driving. Um, how has it impacted your customers and how has it impacted your team? What's going on this year? And, and put it in perspective for us. Yeah, it's it's been a you know a mixed bag because the transportation industry, um, which is about sixty percent of our customer base now, um, actually you know uh, did quite well in pockets. Um, so you know as people were were buying more things online, there was a lot of a lot of goods moving through in different channels. Um, but then you ran into these strange things where the supply chains, typical supply chains, got disrupted. And so you had, you know, uh, for like, I don't know if you're aware right now, but there's an aluminum, aluminum can shortage, right? And so um, if you go into the store to try to buy sodas and cans, you're going to struggle because um, there's, a, there's a shortage. And so, you know, that's disrupted supply routes. And so there was all these different challenges that just started coming up, you know, from different directions. Um, for us, I think, uh, you know, the solution to all of it was just our people. And so at the core of who we are, we're still, we still very much believe that we can take the best of what a community bank does and, and bring it digital and deliver it digitally. And so, you know, from, from the middle of March to today, our people have really stood up and become excellent problem solvers. And, and again, that's, it's our DNA is, is, you know, um, you know, if you go back to truck drivers, they typically don't have a lot of money in the bank. They're living load to load. Um, they, you know, fueling up a truck is expensive. And so they're, they're constantly having challenges. And imagine if you're a business owner or a truck driver and, and you get sick on the road, right? What happens? How, where do you find help? And our bank has been, you know, able to, we're, we're trained, our people are trained at, you know, taking in these problems and helping solve them. Um, and so that, you know, that differentiating point between, you know, Tab Bank and, and a lot of others is particularly that we, we're not using technology to um, necessarily drive our bottom line by becoming the most efficient uh, or, you know, hard selling more products to our customer. It's about solving problems and and doing it faster, better, quicker. Um, you know, and we hear and, and, and you know we have a we have a a premise at the bank that we've been talked we've talked about for years is great people deliver a great customer experience and that the, and that leads to success for both parties. And and that's the premise of of how we drive everything we do when we do strategy, et cetera. And so we invest a lot in our people and, and arming them to serve our customers. If I can like that a million times, I think I would. Um, I, I <laughs> love especially what you just said, using technology not just to drive your not you know to drive your bottom line, but using it to solve problems for people and solve it better and faster. Um, yeah. I, I wish more people can 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 see that and understand it. I was literally on a panel yesterday and I talked about how I wish we would at our disposal all of this emerging technologies, right? That's supposed to do all the wonders instead of just using it to focus on how do we cut more costs and how do we trim, you know, all of these things. Use it in a way to actually help your customers, right? Help them right. not to get more lending products. 
good grief, not more debts, but help them to actually do better financially. You know, we, we, we can do it. It is a human problem. It can be solved by human if, if yeah. you know, we have the right intent and purposes. Um, but <laughs> yeah, it's, sorry. it's interesting. You know, I have an interesting anecdote from that. You know, we, we you know, uh, five, six years ago, we said, okay, our customer, I mean, our employee engagement scores were, were low. Um, the, the bank had got, gone through some turmoil in 2012 and came out of it and morale was low. And, you know, we have this one question in our engagement surveys is, is would you recommend to a bank to, to, as a place to work to family and friends? And the answer was abysmal. You know, it was 38% said yes back then. And then this year, when we, we measured every year, in this spring, we measured it and, and, the, and it was 88%. And, and you know, that's, that, that went, that's an amazing improvement, but it was really about giving our employees this this mission, right? Is how do we serve our customers better? How can we help our customers? And when they were able to kind of tie what they were doing to the success of our customers, things changed, um, you know? And so, you know, we, you do that. And then we watched our net promoter scores go from several years ago from about the mid forties, which is respectable in banking to 72 this spring. And, you know, it's not because we have thrown a lot of shiny tech at our customers. It's because we've, we've used it in a smart way to arm our people. And, and the, the one thing in, in one of our focus groups we did last year that one story in this one customer said, you know, um, you know, the tab employee spent hours on the phone with me teaching me how to invoice correctly. And because of that, I went from four trucks to 16 trucks in my business because um, their, their invoices were getting rejected by Amazon or whoever, you know, they were hauling for. And, and an employee spent the time to say, these are the, you know, this number needs to go up here in a different place. You need to make sure you always include this. You need to do this and, and walk them through that. And, it, you know, that's the kind of um, assistance to a customer that, that drives that loyalty, right? And there's value in loyalty, right? Huge value. Um, and that's what we're chasing. Absolutely. So I'm curious because before Tap Bank, right, you have worked in different institutions, which I would say a little bit different, right, than Tap. Yeah. Um, yeah. And how how does that compare that experience to now? where you were you were working with a bank with no branches because that's always the question right that people have been going back yeah. and forth you need a branch you don't need a branch <laughs> I'm, yeah. I'm curious like from your perspective since you're literally in that seat running it how how is that different well it's hugely different of course but um you know i look back at some of the banks i've worked for you know the biggest banks and you know, one of the biggest banks in the country pnc and then regionals like whitney bank in new orleans and um there's certainly parts of, of an experience that you bring with you. At PNC was the first place I really learned about the power of data and using data to, to really drive decisions in a, in a in aggressive way. So, you know, that's more um, about the, you know, the, how to take the fundamentals of banking and, and make a high performing organization. Whitney had a, a, has a long history of a deep ties to their community and their, and, um, their customer base. And 
so much so that people brag about would brag about you know banking at Whitney Bank in in New Orleans and it you know um it, when I worked there I would you know I remember the CEO calling me into his office one day and saying you know Kurt you've been here a while you're one of our senior loan officers and um you know I want you to know you've got a few of our customers that are on our A list right I'm like well, I don't know what that is he's like well I'm going to tell you he says if you're in that customer's office and they need something you know, if they want to acquire a company and it's going to be $10 million loan, he says, you, your job is to make sure when you walk out of the office, they firmly believe that they have a commitment for the bank for that loan. I was like, oh, he says, now don't get me wrong. You don't have that authority. <laughs> you still have to come back to commit, committee, but I've got your back, right? And, and so this was, you know, breaking the conventional norms of what you're taught in banking about protocols and rules, et cetera, um, to take part of your customer base and treat them differently, right? Now, there's a lot of flaws to that, you know, and my, personally, and I'm, you know, I, I, I started as a teller in a bank and, you know, I watched people, um, you know, come up with, you know, a bag of coins that they needed to get deposited so they could make rent, right? I've seen that side of it and I want to see, you know, when I look back at banking and I wonder, you know, it's like this whole thing of overdraft fees, right? Or any of these punitive, you know, making money off, as you were saying, Theo, right? Where's the dividing line between, you know, we're going to make money off of the un unfortunate circumstances of our customer base or mistakes or, you know, or, or by leveraging technology to sell more, or can we make money off of our customer success and, and solely and really just lean all into that and, and say, this is the new model. Let's, let's talk about that a little bit more about your, your customer success and, and some of the things that you guys have been doing this year. I featured you in an article in International Banker among you know, several other, I think, good examples of banks doing the right thing when I was talking about PPP loans and the funding that you guys had worked so hard on. Um, let's let's talk about that process just a little bit and what you learned about your team, about sort of the changes in the technology that you guys are offering um, to your customers in, in the context of, of what things are changing. Yeah, that was a really, it was an interesting and one of the most rewarding experiences I've had in my banking career because, um, uh, you know, it's the, the kind of enthusiasm that, that, that stirred up in our employee base drove me, uh, you know, so... I can remember being up at like one in the morning trying to help process PPP loans and feeling like, man, I just need to go lay down. And then, you know, we're teams chatting and, you know, one of our lower level employees is all excited about, you know, just accomplishing something for, for one of the, one of our PPP um, applicants and the excitement, right. It's like, oh my gosh, this is, you know, that's like fire. And, you know, we went, we had teams going days without sleep. We were, we were building technology on the fly because uh, you know we're trying to inter inter interact um, with the SBA systems, which was very difficult, and they kept putting up roadblocks. You know, so we couldn't do. We had an API all set to go, and then right before they're ready to launch, they said no API connections. You know, so we had to do manually until we figured out another way to put, you know, rope with bots in place. And so the, the whole experience was kind of crazy, but it taught me a lesson about the passion that our employees had to help out these customers. 
And, you know, one of the things as we kind of, as we went into it, you know, we, we took care of a lot of our existing customers who were in need and quickly turned to other small businesses all over the country. And um, the question came up, it's like, okay, well, what minimum level should we set um, to, to serve customers? Um, because if, you know, there was an efficiency kind of analysis that had already occurred that said, when you get below 30000 dollar loan you're not really the return for the bank isn't going to be there right in this you know in this model and we made a decision it's like we're not going to have a lower limit you know our mission here what's what's important for us and for that customer base is helping small businesses that are struggling i mean if they're turning to us it means chances are they didn't they got turned down or or their local bank or whoever or they or they've been in a long queue for one of the big banks and not getting served. Um, you know they they're coming to us because they're they're scrambling and they're in need. And so you know I, I mean I remember um, one one client with a I mean I, I just went we went down the list whatever came in in the queue. And I remember working a thousand dollar loan in the middle of the night, thinking, you know, there's there's you know this is just important. Just push push through. And it's really following, you know, our, our other employees and their, their desire to really help these people. And I, and I reached out to this one customer, thousand um, dollar loan, and it's you know maintenance guy in the Bronx, who did basically maintenance for two buildings. And um, and you know I, we couldn't figure out how to um, how to fund his his loan because I tried to do it on he had this prepaid account. And I said, don't you have a checking account? I said, well, we can open you up a checking account three minutes, you know, on your phone. We have no fees. He had, this person had been burned by banks so much. So he had, you know, they sent their deposit account statements and I'm looking through it and I'm like, oh my gosh, this guy's paid $340 in fees over the last two months to this prepaid card company. And they won't allow you to ACH in, only payroll. And, and so we had to, send the money to his sister long story short but you know i was you know feeling that experience with those those the people that are out there in need right and then you know is the system helping those people the small business owners that you know have been you know this this guy wouldn't open an account because he'd been burned um and so you know, they turned away from the banking system. Then we start talking about the un unbanked and underbanked and all that world. And it's, you know, there's there's got to be as this future comes in, in with um, fintech and everything. There's just got to be an ec equitable distribution of these resources. You know, and and it can be done. That's the promise I think this technology gives us. Right? Can we deliver it equitably? So, so let's talk about that. I mean, we're, we're seeing so many banks sort of move toward this partnership with technology providers or partnership with, you know, banking as a service providers to kind of serve the same people. This isn't necessarily like expanding the pie. You know, the, a, a couple of weeks ago, we saw more from uh, the Googleplex announcement and partnerships with 11 different banks uh, and a credit union, which is great. Um, but, you know, does the future of banking look so dissimilar than today? Because what you just were describing is exactly what I learned from the community banking credit union model when I worked within it was it comes down to working with people. 
people actually helping people's needs. So is technology in these type of relationships with Google going to be the solution? What, what, what's the future banking look like, Kirk? You know, I, I think, the, you know, the, the things have become routine, um, you know, payment, paying for things, et cetera, you know, using payment systems and such. Um, the, 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 you know, the cost of that system is, is really outrageous if you think about it for any short period of time. It's like, why would a, you know, why would a card processor charge three and a half percent for this system that's really basically, you know, data bits that just go over, you know, right? And there's some chargeback risks, some other fraud things that have to be baked into the cost, but it's not near the, you know, the, the real cost is not near what's being charged throughout the system. So at some point, right, that that that's going to get blown apart, right? And, 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 you know, I don't know how. I'm not that smart. But when I look at you know the play for the masses, uh, the one thing that I think is 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 lacking is um, what happens when something goes wrong. Where's the sense of trust and where's the empathy? Who do I turn to when I have a problem? And you know, I I watch what's what hap what's happening in in Asia and in the UK and in different places. And it's kind of interesting when these very successful challenger banks, when they mess something up and you see, you know, a Twitter feed of just on and on about, you know, I've been trying for three days to get to talk to someone and I can't get, you know, a person, I can't get help, you know, and some crazy mistakes and mistakes are going to happen. And it may just, you know, maybe a mistake, a system mistake, or, or maybe a customer's running for a problem and needs, you know, personal attention. It's like, where do you actually serve the customer when, you know, when everything becomes democratized at some point, uh, this is people's money, right? What, you know, money is always one of the most important things in people's lives. You know, marriages causes, you know, money causes divorces, money causes stress, health problems, you know, worry, um, you know, that's not going to change. And there's a promise to, you know, in this, that, we can help people alleviate some of this, but the truth is, you know, the real life um, presents hurdles, just like 2020 has to us. And and you know, there's got to be a system that's that's flexible enough that can reach in and help people out when they need it. So I I I think we've invested heavily in open banking and banking as a service over the last few years. You know, next year we're going to be launching an open banking platform and banking as a service. Cause I do believe that um, there's a lot to that future of kind of bringing all these different parties together to serve uh, customers better with leveraging technology. But, but at some point fundamentally though, the people um, placing their money with you want to, you know, that's a level of trust. And that trust is, I guarantee you, in some ways, it's going to be broken in a, in a spectacular fashion. I don't know how, right? Something's going to happen, and there's going to be a big implosion of one of these, something. And everybody's going to all of a sudden wake up and say, hey, uh, is my money really safe? Right? I mean, it's why we have FDIC insurance, because there was a run on the banks, and the banking system collapsed, right? So I, 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 you know, I, you know, we're we're a tech-driven company. Um, we serve over the we serve digitally. We're investing in this, and I think there's a lot of promise. But I think, you know, I, I, I when I think about a Google, the what do they call it? Googleplex, right? 
Yeah. When I think about that product and that partnership, it's alluring because there's a pro- there's got to be a profit model for sustainability for a bank, right? But then, you know, who's really serving the customer? You know, who, where does the customer turn when they need help? And that that's it'll be interesting to see how that plays out. Well, and also what our customers giving up in return for the service, right? Because uh, yeah. I, I doubt that um, they're going in because they want to be a bank. They're going in because they want the data, right? right. So <laughs> what are they going to do with the data? And I might be the oddball, but I don't think I would trust Google too much. They already know way too much about me. Um, yeah. so I'm not sure if I want them <laughs> to get more. Um, yeah. I, I want to continue continue that theme and, and going back to you know, what, what a lot of what you said earlier, and it resonates, you know, that we need to serve the community, we need to serve customers, and, and it's about people, it's about helping them solve real problems. Um, I, I am a little bit at odds lately, if you look at how a lot of institutions, startups and incumbents, and how they're using technology, quote, unquote, serving, for example, the lately, the buy now, pay later. Um, there's so much chatter going on, um, and even until this morning. Are they really helping customers become more financially secure? Are they actually giving them options, or are they actually serving the merchants, right, that they're signing up for mm-hmm. and serving their own bottom line? I almost feel like oftentimes when we load so much tech into what consumers do, into what customers do, making things so easy and so frictionless and so painless, we remove that layer of friction that perhaps it should have been there. It removed and absorbed the organization of the need to actually help them be better, but yet doing it under the disguise of, well, we're giving you option to pay. You can't do it? Well, here's another loan. Uh, <laughs> yeah. What, what exactly is the industry going? You know that's that's a good question. It's a tough question because um, we we partner with with uh, half a dozen fintech lenders, um, and you know as we look at um, you know um, there's different personas that our partners you know um, serve, and you know one one of our partners serves a persona that you know that is um, financially stretched and but but employed individual. And, you know, when this person, um, if this person uses her car to get to work and she has a flat tire and she doesn't have credit availability and needs to buy a flat tire, right, does does a point-of-sale loan help this person out? Absolutely. And then, you know, the real the reality of this tire shop is they've trained their people to cross sell and upsell. And, you know, and if I have access to enough money to buy this tire, you know, do I end up using that credit access to, to, um, you know, buy fancier tires that maybe I don't need, or maybe I get, you know, an oil change thrown in, you know, access to how, how do you solve that? Right. Um, where's the, 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 the line. And we, we, as we go in and we talk to prospective partners, you know, we do a very simple assessment of, you know, show us, show us the community benefit within your pool of customers that how your product benefits 
the majority, right? Um, you know, two thirds or more of your customer base, um, because you know the the economics are that if it's if it's um, you know thin file or underserved or no credit uh, type that you're going to pay more, right? And so um, to make the, the model work, and so that's a pretty simple asset test. I'm I firmly believe, and we and some of our partners were working with them on on this kind of premises that. Can you then create an ecosystem, a halo system around them to you know, give them access to the financial world, but also, and here we go back to the data, can we leverage the data to give them insights of how to do it responsibly, you know, and 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 help them um, do that. And then you get, you know, you get into financial liter literacy, financial education, behavioral science and nudges and all that kind of thing. And uh, which fascinates me because I do believe that um, there, in, in the end, that, that behavioral science, kind of the nudging and the kind of just kind of watching over you real time can help people learn the, the right habits. Um, and, you know, we do a lot of community education. We go into into junior highs. We go into women's crisis centers, and we do financial literacy training. And I've participated myself. And you know, I, I see these glazed over looks, and you know, I I don't see the there's a you know there's certain effectiveness to it, right? There's some people that'll catch on and want to learn, and but generally speaking, we're putting a lot of resources as an industry into that kind of stuff. That's not actually helping people solve their real problems or learn the, the right habits you know so i i don't know theo i uh that's a big meaty question and, and I'm, i hope that there's enough of us out there that are kind of leaning into finding the right solutions to help the, the customer not just um you know squeeze more money out of the customer Yeah, I, I, I think part of me, like, I, I love technology, right? So don't get me wrong. I use I use Apple Pay. I love my Apple Pay watch. I love it, love it, especially I don't have to sign anything. It's convenient. And there's all of that. But I also watched in horror when my kids are in Hong Kong. They both have NFC watches that work in Hong Kong. It's so easy. You just put it in front of the thing and off you go. You get... It's so convenient. You get on public transportation, you go buy groceries, you, you buy anything. They pick up something and beep and off you go. They picked up this habit and it was so easy. It was completely oblivious to them that is actually paying money to get something. I mean, obviously they know they're buying something, but it almost became like, oh yeah, I want this and pick it up and beep and off you go. Now, mind you, of course, my, my kids, they were like 10 years old and eight, but still like it, I, I, it almost feels like and when we make it so easy and so frictionless, it also becomes really easy to overspend. It becomes really easy to adopt these habits that may not be the best. Right. I, you know, and I have a couple of little ones myself and, you know, I've got them on the, the green light product. And they have to do chores, and they get a little allowance, right, and automatically into their their card. And it is so funny because if I ever talk about using their card to pay for something, the furor that comes at me from them is, "This is my money. You can't use it." You know, 
you're supposed to buy this for me. And I'm like, yeah. I'm not sure it's, I'm getting the end result out of it that I wanted, but you know. If, 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 if we can't instill, you know, the, the people within the industry that should know better, if we can't instill these things into our children from the beginning, how can we help others uh, think about yeah. that systematically? And in, yesterday, Oliver was starting to talk to me about being a, a stockbroker or in, in trading in stocks. And he said, well, how can I buy stocks? You know, what does it mean to buy Apple? What does it mean to own like a company, you know, like AT&T or like, you know, so he's what, what started it, of course, was that, you know, Roblox is going public. And he's like, well, how can I own part of Roblox? You know, what is yeah. that? How does that how does it give me more Robux, uh, which is a whole other like line of thought that we could get into about payment <laughs> systems. Um, but what, when when we think about, you know, some of the things that we talked today um, and, and some of the things that we talked about before we, we came on uh, air you know, you were at Whitney Bank and you went through Katrina and you kind of talked about, you know, that challenge there. This is a totally different challenge, right? I mean, it's as awful as single events can be. This has been, you know, 10 months of pain and change. And for most of us, though, you know, we're not directly impacted by the 266 that have passed away in the country. We're not impacted by the, what is it, you know, 16 million people that have had it, or we know people that have had it and have recovered. And it's not nearly, you know, as challenging um, as some other things that have happened in this country. And not, you know, to, to downplay that this has not been a significant shift, but small businesses are hurting. Our customers are hurting. This industry has not changed as much in the last year as I thought they might have. So let's talk about, you know, the, the challenge um, for financial institutions, but more specifically about the small business clients that you work with, whether it's truckers or others, you know, wh what do you think we need to do as an institution at the industry? Our customers, especially small businesses, come out of all this. Yeah, you know, one of the one of the um, best things I saw, and look, you know, when the government gets involved in in stimulus, right? It's a mixed bag. It's going to be, but. Um, you know the the regulatory guidance we the, the industry got early on about deferrals and and modifications to loans. I thought was pretty um, pretty a pretty unique stand that that was taken that I thought was extremely creative and supportive. And um, you know, and I think when I look back at at um, the you know the the Great Recession and you know where was where was that level for the for the people. That were losing their houses. Where was that help, right? And there was very little that went to directly to help relief in that. And so, there's one thing we've done right, right, as an institution, as a regulatory body, because I can tell you, in the small business world, um, we granted deferrals to, depending on the the business, the the line of the product. Um, one of one of our portfolios, I think, we got up to about forty five percent, forty six percent of our customers we gave deferrals and then repeat deferrals we modified a whole bunch of other loans and and um you know we were kind of used to doing things like that on a smaller scale but now we had the the regulatory license if you will to to do this in a broad way and and as these small businesses came off of the deferrals beginning in in August was the first round and then we still have customers coming off of deferrals today but it's a much smaller percent as they came off deferrals, they were able to, you know, resume payments at, at some level, if not all of all of it. And and there's a program that worked, right? It said, you know what? 
and we, and we went all in. We said just no payments, you know, and most for most of our customers for three months. Sometimes it, it was five months, um, you know. And but we we communicated with our customers, and you know, we understood certainly in transportation we understand that business. But but our other general small business customers, um, you know, we saw some of them. It, it was it worked like clockwork. Others, you know, um, this current round of of um, of um, of virus wave is is and shutdowns are hitting them again and so you know they're struggling now but for the financial world because it, look there's a rule that you learn when i've been banking for a long time you know when you're being trained they tell you your first loss is your best loss right this is a, an adage that i've heard decades and and then and the meaning behind that is you know if a customer is defaulting it's not our problem it's their problem and let's pull Pull the plug, you know, call the loan, because if we don't, you know, the, the loss we have today might grow into a bigger loss. And so the theory is protect the bank at all costs, right? Detriment of the customer. And, you know, there was um, years ago as I was, um, you know, working directly with customers and, you know, looking customers in the eye and and listening to reasonable pleas, you know, all of a sudden I started questioning uh, you know, my middle name is Thomas. My mom used to call me Doubting Thomas when I was a kid because I would never let anything just, you know, be at face value. So I was like, why? Why aren't we helping the customer? Why aren't we taking their side more, right? And I think that's, you know, we saw a lot of that with with stimulus, with regulatory relief and other things that helped, helped financial institutions help their customers. And I look at, so we have some, some equipment loans that we originate. We've sold pools of those loans off to other banks. And we went to the to one one bank and you know, said, this is what we're doing. We think it's the right thing. We'd like to give full payment relief. The bank wouldn't do it. And they said, no, we'll we'll relieve the principal payments, but they still have to make interest. And we pleaded with them. We said, look, they've got no revenue coming in right now, but they're, you know, they will later. I mean, I we don't think this is going to work. Now we can look back at it and we look at how their portfolio that they bought from us that we we're managing for them, servicing, performed without giving the full relief versus ours, and it performed a lot worse. And, you know, I think um, the, the rigid confines and structure of delivering credit uh, needs to be broken apart, right? We, you know, a, a lot of credit that's offered isn't the right type of credit for the need. And, you know, we've got to do a better job of being more flexible and being able to say, you know, because, you know, look, I, I saw a speaker, a great speaker, I think maybe at Money 2020 or, you know, saying um, the banking system isn't isn't able to make a small dollar seven day loan because it's there's too much cost in, in making that loan. But with technology, you'll be able to. And and the truth is, uh, you know, most loans are prepackaged and served up and say you can have, you know, a 36 month loan, 60 month loan, you know, you know, all these set amounts. Um, you can get a line of credit, you know, you get a, the truth is that we should be able to take the data and help customers say and help with the customer say, you know, what you need is just a nice 14 day loan. We can do this because of technology. We can give it to you. We're not gonna make a lot of money. That's okay. You're still a, you're your customer, right? And and you know, there's we you expect that this 
this empathy and helping the customer's success pays off for you in that customer loyalty, right? And there's where you can make money if you you create that kind of sense of loyalty. I mean, you, you ask anybody that banks at USAA what they think about USAA, and they'll sing its praises. Um, I think there's just a, there are lessons out there, and I think um, putting the customer success has a value proposition, and and we're smart people. We should be able to figure out how to make that value proposition work for both sides of the equation. I, I can't agree more. Um, with with the billions, billions, literally, of, of money that's out there, with how many people that are in the industry, many, many smart people, and many people with amazing hearts, we should have been able to do better. We need to do better. We have 19 million people that are facing eviction in a month's time. We have 50 million people that are food insecure. One in four are children. This is the United States of America, and right. we need to do better. Yeah, and I mean, financial institutions are, are a quasi-public trust. Um, and, you know, regulations will tell you that, that, that you have a responsibility to your depositors and your community. And, um, and you know, we, we tend to want to just, uh, I think as an industry, we, we walk away from things that are difficult or maybe aren't going to make us money. You know, um, and that's not what we're here for. Uh, so, you know, we, we're here to serve and we should be proud of being able to do it well. And when people are in need, that's when we should actually be shining. And thank you so much, Kurt. We need more of you, way more of you. And, uh, oh, you guys are <laughs> big fans. <laughs> uh, well, we, we are big fans. We are honored that, you know, you, you're able to spend an hour with us. Um, thank you so much. Appreciate yeah. it. And totally uh, stay enjoyable. safe, stay healthy. And it's, it's our goal, collective goal 2021. God darn it. I'm going to take that coffee for people when I have time. Maybe not in right. the view that you and I were in last time. Maybe somewhere a little bit nicer. But yeah. <laughs> <laughs> thank you so much for joining us today, Kurt. And thank you all for listening in to another episode of One Vision. Mm-hmm.